Hey, this is Mike Goldberg, the voice of Bellator MMA. Join us right now for MMA FanCast. Welcome back to MMA FanCast. My name is Jim Mooney. My podcast partner is Luke Payson, and we can't wait to really get into the talk on this episode. This is our UFC 239 preview and predictions. This episode, I give you the lock. Luke gave us the lock last time. Um, That was on UFC 238. Is that correct, Luke? Yeah, it was 238. My lock was... Um, Batashenko, however you say her name, uh, against, Shevchenko, yeah, Shevchenko against uh, Evil Eye, which ended up being, I'd say, a fairly obvious lock and a, and a pretty predictable outcome. Both of us called the outcome correct. Well, there's nothing wrong with going with the obvious. I mean, you know, if you're given a lock, you're given a lock, and yeah. why not take the obvious? I'm not giving you any insight into my lock by saying that, so you're gonna have to, everybody uh, out there in podcast land is gonna have to stick around to the end to get my lock. All right, so the uh, the conversation on this episode is around UFC 239, and we always cover uh, what we consider to be the top three fights. And in this case, um, with this card, we've got, we actually have a pretty decent card, I would consider, from uh, top to bottom. There's a couple fights on the prelims, the early prelims, which you can catch on Fight Pass, and then two fights in particular on the prelims on ESPN that I'm interested in. But we're going to be talking about just the top three fights on the main card. In order of our conversation is going to be the first fight. It's a welterweight bout between Jorge Masvidal and Ben Askren. After that is um, the women's bantamweight. It's a title fight between Amanda Nunes and Holly Holm interesting fight. That's actually the one that I am most looking forward to seeing. And of course, the headliner, the main event on the main card is a light heavyweight title bout between John Jones defending his title against Thiago Santos. So um, Luke, how do you feel about Masvidal and Ben Askren? Yeah, let's jump right into here. Um, Ben Askren is still undefeated because of the way the um, Robbie Lawler thing went. When you rewatch that fight, um, I mean, give him credit. He has that style, that funk master or funk funk style, whatever he says it. I will have to go fairly handedly to Masvidal. If you rewatch the Donald Cowboy Cerrone fight where Masvidal knocked him out in the first round, Masvidal is a really good striker. Uh, he's also a good grappler. He's got good submissions. Um, but it's weird. It's always hard to go against Ben Askren because people doubt him because of his physique. They doubt him because of his competition level. And, um, in one, because he came over from one FC in the trade for Mighty Mouse. But I, but I also think Robbie Lawler showed that, that he takes damage. It's not good in MMA to take damage. If you watch that fight, Ben Askren just takes damage. He, he, he's not uh, like a smooth striker. So I, I'd say fairly convincingly. Um, I guess I'll go Masvidal. 
But because of not wanting to pick a TKO, because I, I do think that that might be tough on Ben. He showed that he, he can be tough. But I would really want to go TKO. But I'm going to go decision. Nope. You know what? Flipping back to TKO. TKO, Masvidal. I'll go any round, but I'm going to say round two. All right. So we got you TKO round two or for uh, Jorge Masvidal. Yeah, so one of the, uh, the things that I find interesting about Masvidal, and it's really there's, there's another fighter on this card who is similar in this aspect of the fight game. Masvidal is kind of like an explosive yeah. uh, striker. He, he does have accuracy, pinpoint accuracy with his strikes. Um, but I go back to his fight with Darren Till, and he was taking some damage in that first round and knocked him out in the second round. And it was like just all of a sudden, Masvidal made a move towards him, connected, and that's all it took. It was pretty uh, hard shot. It went down, and there was no need for him to jump on top. Your comment about Askren, I agree with. The guy has he's shown the ability to take damage. In his fight, his debut fight in the UFC with, uh, against Lawler, he definitely took some hard shots. And you see him on, on his back. And Robbie had connected with a, a few solid right hands. And you saw Askren's head snap back. Yep. And, of course, the damage was evident. He was, he was bloodied up. But he wasn't winded. And a lot of times fighters, when they start to take damage like that, they, they tend to tense up or tighten up, and, you know, you get the ad- adrenaline rush, and that's where you lose some of that stamina. You, you've, you have to fight that off as well as fight off um, your opponent, and I think Askren has shown his ability to weather storms in the past, and, and he doesn't get flustered or frustrated, which obviously came through. Well, you know, we can go down the road of stoppage and was it the right stoppage or not. That's neither here nor there for this conversation. With that said, Luke, you and I always seem to find one fight where, uh, where we are on opposite ends. I'm a uh, Ben Askren fan. I also like Masvidal, but I'm going with, with Askren, and I'm going to go with a submission, and I'm going to say a second-round submission by Askren. So that, is, that puts us right off the bat opposite sides Uh, so I've got sub second round you've got TKO round two right so uh, our second fight features the fight that I'm most most interested in and I'll uh, take the lead on this one it is Amanda Nunes and Holly Holm and this is for the uh, the women's bantamweight title Holly I don't know if I would call her a streak fighter I'm not really sure like what tag to put on her because she has shown tremendous success away from the octagon. And, and that was one of the things that was intriguing about her, especially with her fight uh, leading up to her fight against Rousey. And a lot of people weren't sure what to expect. Hadn't really uh, seen much of her. And she kind of took the world by storm with that. But then subsequently, she pooped the bed, so to speak, against uh, Misha Tate, when she th- that clip that they show often, where Misha's got her back and Holly starts throwing those uh, punches in the air and she goes out. So that that is what I see coming from Holly, a, a fighter who at times trouble really you know coming through and and being this consistent fighter. Nunez, on the other hand, 
her talent level has seems to have increased up and up and up and up with each fight. Now, with that said, though, I'm not really sure if this is that I'm more of a Holly fan um, versus uh, Nunez, but I feel like this is the fight that Nunez, or I'm sorry, Holly puts it together, um, similar to what she did against um, against Rousey, where she fought basically the, the perfect fight. And I go back to Nunez being frustrated um, by Kat Zingano. This is, you know, a few years ago. Nunez was controlling that fight, and in the, uh, in the third, Zingano took over, and, you know, ground and pound is what ended that fight. And I, I feel like if Holly can keep it on, uh, on the feet and does not go to the ground and she's able to get out of uh, the clinch and use her, um, her reach to keep Nunez at a distance, I see it going Holly's way. So, you know, maybe it is, you know, a little uh, fan favoritism, um, but my pick is Holly by decision and new. Well, I think our disagreeing is going to continue here. Um, kind of my way of looking at it is you, you could be entirely correct. Uh, I, I do not like picking against Holly, but if you just look at her last six fights, she has lost four of six. Her consistency is inconsistent at best. And I go way back to her very first fight in the UFC. She came in from another organization. She just won by a huge knockout. And she barely beats Rocky Pennington, barely. And then a couple fights later, she fights her perfect fight, beats, beats Ronda Rousey. I just think that the miles that were put on her in boxing, and obviously she's an 18-time boxing champ in kickboxing, I think that at times does her a disservice. Another thing you have to remember about boxing is they go 10 rounds, sometimes more, you know, right? And so I think it could be sometimes hard for her to recognize she doesn't always seem like she's got that urgency. I think that's a word you could, you could hit her against. And, um, and the reality is I, I'm probably fan favoriting in the opposite direction. Since that I'm going to call the lioness. Um, it could go to a decision, and I would say if it goes to a decision, it, Holly Holm will win it. I think Holly's style is much more decision-friendly because Nunez really isn't a big decisioner. I mean, she can win by decision, but she's very much finished, finished, finished. That could be bad. So, so part of me kind of wants to go, Holly, because I think that if a man in Nunez doesn't, you know what? Tell you what, I'll do a two predictions. How about that? Because I can make up the rules. So here we go. Let's hear it. So, two predictions. If it goes past round three, it's shorter than round three. The lioness wins by some type of finish and probably a submission because we've seen Holly get finished, obviously, by Misha. We know that her defenses aren't the best. The Lioness will knock you out like we saw with Chris Cyborg, and let's not underestimate that. That is a massive, massive, massive upset win uh, because, obviously, Cyborg is quite a bit larger than anybody at that weight class and is all about the knockout. So that was a huge win. But I would say the Lioness, if she's going to win, it'll be in the first three rounds. It'll be probably – Punches leading to a submission. But I would give Holly Holm the decision if it goes past, or the win, for that matter. It doesn't have to be a decision. If it goes past round three. So, But I would side with the Lioness getting it done in the first three rounds. But because Holly, you did bring up a good point with um, Katz and Ghana. Because Holly can, if she wants to, she doesn't always want to, but she can be super technical. And I think you might be able to beat the Lioness in technique. Um, but obviously, having watched her knockout, Cyborg, I would say, and looking at Holly's 
four losses out of the last six. I, I just can't really go with Holly much. But again, you did point out something, and I think Jim might get this one. Um, it's within the realm of possibility. Holly tends to put it together when no one expects her to. Against against Ronda Rousey, she'd only won two in the UFC, and the Rocky Pennington could have gone the other way. It was a bad win, um, and she gets the massive, the massive uh, win. The only reason why I take away the Ronda fight a little bit is Ronda's lack of stand-up was obvious fights before, three or four fights before that. No one could just take advantage of it. So I, I don't give her as much credit as maybe at the time people thought, oh, she's so incredible. Uh, all you have to do is watch Ronda's second fight with Misha, uh, where it goes to the third round. She eventually armbars it, but Misha was teeing off on her. Ronda had no type of defense in striking. I think it just took a couple girls um, and Holly to take advantage of it. But that was an obvious fault and flaw in her in her arsenal. But I think people were so scared, like Katzengana probably – had she stayed away from her and struck from the outside instead of charging across. But she admitted later, she just got so kind of scared, kind of anxious, excited that she ran at her, which made no sense. Um, so I do think that some of Holly's brilliance was actual, actually Ronda Rousey's weakness. I don't want to hate on Ronda Rousey, but I think it's fairly obvious. And, and just look at this, Jim, as I finish up um, and my love for the Lioness continues. Think about matching them up. It doesn't always work, but... Ronda can't make it a minute with the Lioness, and Ronda made it two rounds um, with with Holly Holm. So I, I think there might be a difference in in explosiveness in striking. I think Holly's the more technical striker, but the Lioness doesn't really have a bunch of fancy stuff. She just hits you with straights over and over again. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go Laws finishing it in under three rounds with the caveat that Holly might get the decision or go past rounds maybe, but. Uh, the Lioness is my girl. So back to you for our main event or your lock or whatever you're going to do. Well, okay. So your your official pick is is going to be uh, Amanda, or do you want to have it as? No, no, no. Yeah, I'm uncomfortable saying Amanda's my only pick. Okay. The first, I'm going to say Amanda TKO win in the first three or TKO or submission. I think she'll finish the fight within the first three, and the only little thing when we do our when we do our wrap-up is the side note. I won't make it a side prediction. But the side note is if it goes past three rounds, I think it starts becoming um, Holly Holmes fight. And if Holly can get one round of the first three rounds, which I doubt, I think she's going to just get blasted out of the water and then submit it. But we'll see. If she can get one round of the first three and then take it in the four and five, I would give Holly Holm a better chance of either finishing with strikes or getting a decision. But that's just my brain. I like to see lots of options. So I'm, but I'm going to stick with uh, the lioness. Uh, finish the fight within the first three. So lioness to win. Our last predictions on two thirty-eight. You went two and one. Your lock came through. We both agreed on that fight, and that was where my lone victory came uh, came from. And I was one and two in those predictions. Right now, um, we are on opposite sides for the first two fights that we picked. The last one that, uh, that we're going to be talking about is obviously the, the main event with Bones Jones taking on Tiago Santos. And I find this to be an interesting fight and for, for a number of reasons. But there, there's you know, something that really overshadows a lot of this talk and the intrigue. And I'll get to that in a second. So we've got Jones. He's a heavy, heavy favorite. 
um, like six to one, something like that, seven to one. Last I checked, I think it was six to one favorite. If you look at physical stats, Jones is, he's two years younger, he's two inches taller, and this I find to be what really is an advantage, and not just an advantage, but once a fighter like Jones, who I believe is not only one of the best fighters of all time, but one of the smartest fighters, you know, he's got a high fight IQ, and where I'm going with this is he has an eight-inch reach advantage, and I think that's something that he recognizes every fight and with every opponent uses that to his advantage, or at least he attempts to use that at his, as an advantage. It's not just you know with the strikes, but he's got the long legs and he, he's definitely got some powerful kicks. So he's he's got a ton of weapons you know that he can pull out of his bag really at will and at any time. Tiago Santos, he's on, a, I believe, a four-fight win streak. Like one of the fighters that we talked about earlier, Masvidal, I see Santos as an explosive fighter where you know he could seem to be um, hanging back and not really pushing the fight or pushing the pace and letting the fight come to him and then just explode and in, in a few short seconds, won the fight. On the flip side, though, He's been knocked out by, um, by I think it was David. Yeah, it was David Branch and uh, um, Gegar Gegar Musasi, and I f- I feel like those are telltale signs of um, a fighter, especially getting up in age. And I think he is going to be susceptible to strikes by Jones. You know, I I preface this comment saying as much as I admire the talent that John Jones has. Uh, a part of me wants to see Santos win just because, you know, oftentimes we are pulling for, um, for the underdog. And, and in this case, if you, if you got some money sitting in a drawer and you don't mind parting with it, throw it on Santos. And you know the saying, anything can happen in MMA. If, if that dog comes through for you in the fight and you got some money on him, you're going to make a lot of money on him. This is my lock pick. And with everything that I said, detailing the, uh, the physical attributes and advantages that Jones has versus the explosiveness of Santos. But I go back to what I said before about John Jones and his fight IQ being extremely high and maybe one of the smartest fighters that we've seen in MMA, um, at least in recent history. So my lock is going to be Jones and I'm going with a knockout in the second round. Straight knockout, not uh, TKO. This is a lock that just has to be a lock. I mean, you're doing the lock this this uh, fight, so I won't call it my lock. Um, before I, I just sound like I'm on the wagon train of John Jones, I think both of us understand that John Jones is a deeply flawed human being, but an insanely talented fighter. And actually, that's one of the reasons why he is likely a deeply flawed human being because he got success. He still holds the record as the youngest champion, 23 years, something like that, um, old. And it just really warped his sense of value and, and kind of how he treats other people. But that, that all aside and the stuff with the PDs and all that, l- let's, talk about, let's talk about Santos for a little bit, okay? Because I like to watch, watch uh, the fights on him and all that. And if you look up on YouTube, UFC 239 free fight. The UFC is always good to put out 
what it considers to be the best fight or an interesting fight for all the main fighters. So you can go back, you can say, you can see Masvidal's fight against Cowboy, even though that was a couple years back, that's still obviously his signature fight. So that's out there. You can see Manu Nunez knocking out Cyborg because that's obviously her signature. And you can go through all this. For John Jones, I think they went a little weak for this one, showing the, the, um, his finish, his, his key lock um, versus uh, Vitor Belfort, which I don't think is his like signature move, but still, you know, John Jones has so many big wins. But here's the thing. If you okay, watch the- I just wanted uh, – so just real quick, I, I, I would put Belfort or I would put Santos in the category with Belfort in the striking – um, the explosive striking that yeah. that I see Santos might have in this fight. Belfort had that. However, you know, Belfort was a little advanced in his career and age. Yeah, yeah. I guess I was just saying that, to me, that's not John Jones' best title defense. But here's what I'm trying to get to with Santos. If you watch that fight, the Jimmy Manuel versus Santos fight, it's it spells disaster for Santos versus uh, John Jones. And one of the things that happens a lot, when a, when a fighter wins, I give him all the credit for battling through. Jimmy had him hurt. He battled back. He can finish a fight at any moment with, with his hands, feet, knees. But but here's one of the things. Sometimes when a fighter wins, when they probably should have lost, they then don't necessarily fix those weaknesses because it's working for him, right? So when you watch that fight, the biggest concern I have is the reach disadvantage, obviously, right? And what a fighter does with the reach disadvantage, they can make up for it. There's ways to strike that kind of covers the fact that you're a shorter opponent. But Santos doesn't fight that way. If you look in his fight versus uh, Jimmy, there's a, there's a moment there where he's starting to get hurt. They're in this trade, and Jimmy's hit him with a straight, and his instinct is to throw a huge, clearly telegraphed left hook. That's never going to work against – now, I could be wrong. Who knows, right? But – it's never going to work against John Jones. Not only does John Jones have the same reach as Skyscraper Struve, who's seven feet tall, John Jones also illegally loses his fingers all the time. And that gets another four or five inches. And he still holds the record for number of times he's been warned for finger poking. I think it's over 20. The last time I looked, it was 19 separate occasions for being warned for fingers. No points ever deducted. Um, he did lose a couple points in his most recent decision uh, win by an illegal knee. Um, but anyhow, he fights even longer than he is. But I don't like when a, I don't like when a fighter like Santos first, his first instinct is to throw a huge hook. I would have rather his first instinct been to cover and then throw a cross or a jab. I, I just don't love the, the, I got hurt, let me throw a hook. Because even if you watch that fight, Jimmy Manuel ducks out of it easily, simply. The other thing you cannot like about Santos is when he, when he does get hurt or stunned, he did one of the worst shots I've ever seen on Jimmy. Now, Jimmy didn't really take advantage of it. He tried to do a guillotine, but then really didn't do it. Remember back, harken back, listeners, and if you can't find it, harken back to, to the Dragon Machida, right, versus John Jones. If, if John Jones can get your head at all, mm. even standing weird position where most people would not go from a gate. He's going to get you. And that's still one of the cooler finishes John Jones has up against the cage, you know, Machida going out. It's very important to point out that I don't basically like anything. And now I like Santos as a person, grew up in a really bad section um, in Brazil, does a lot more to help his community and help kids 
stay off the street and get help than John Jones ever does. So it's not like if this was a good guy contest, Santos wins all, every time. But, but I'm just saying that, that I, I don't think he has a lot to offer. The, the guy that I would have still liked John Jones to fight um, was Anthony Rumble Johnson. That fight was supposed to happen. Then Jones got pulled for one of his many infractions, and then they threw D.C. in there, and D.C. DC won. A D, D.C. probably shows his two fights against Rumble probably shows what John Jones would have done to him. Let's be real. You know, the, the – Move enough, take him down, and John Jones is a great takedown. So it probably would have been the same thing. But in my mind, as a fan, I think Anthony Rumble Johnson had a better chance of landing a knockout punch against John Jones than Santos does. So this is a lot for me to say, unless John Jones does something really bizarrely stupid along the lines of the spider in his first fight with Chris Weidman. But you know, as crazy as John Jones is out of the cage. He rarely does dangerous things to put him in harm's way. The only time I can remember him doing some weird stuff was in his DC fight that went to the distance, his first DC fight. He dropped his arms down, raised them up, made it look like the fight was over when the fight wasn't over so he could get a cheap shot. But that's, that's John Jones really hating DC. I, I don't think that was a matter of trying to clown and trying to make himself. So Jones can do so many things to win this fight. It's hard for me to think Santos has got a chance. Um, but the thing that really bothers me about Santos is unless he's cleaned up his striking, there is a chance that you can land something on John Jones. And that's why I kind of preferred Rumble, because if you watched when Rumble was tearing through, uh, when, when Rumble knocked out uh, Alexander Gustafson, that's when I became a believer. Because Gus is the same rough height, sort of, as John Jones height, but not reach. But still, that gave me a belief that he could get through. And if I had seen the Jimmy Manuel fight and seen Santos do some really great stuff, the way I look at it, he made as many mistakes as he did good things. And if you get hurt at all or even not hurt against John Jones and you throw wild telegraphed strikes, and then when you get, you're going you're gonna to get knocked out. And then if you get hurt and you dive in on the worst takedown attempt I've seen, you're going to get choked out. So to me, um, I more want to know, I know you said you think John Jones by straight knockout, like sort of a, a one-hitter-quitter type thing. Um, I don't think John Jones is going to get that. I think it's going to be a TKO, possibly a doctor stoppage. Santos is super – I know it's strange to call for a doctor stoppage, but we can be strange on this podcast, right, Jim? That is so, true. We can be strange. So what I mean by doctor stoppage is kind of what we saw with that, uh, Cowboy losing. I think Santos is tough. And John loves ground and pound, and he's not really great on the ground. So I could see John just beating up his face and eventually getting stopped. But I'm going to go because John has shown a tendency to like the finish uh, as far as submission. So I'm going to say submission. Now, I've been talking long enough, so let me just point something else out. What I don't like about John Jones is going to a decision over Anthony Smith, going to a decision over Ovin St. Prue. Like, there's been – those are two fights where I know Lionheart is super tough. I'm not taking anything away from him. But he, there are times where John Jones will coast. So I guess we could both be wrong and John Jones win by major – just a smashing decision and not finish him. It's kind of strange, right, in some of those fights where John Jones could win but just sort of wins by decision. So, But I'm going to say submission. Let's go submission, John Jones. And, yeah, it's hard to see it getting out of the second round, but I will. I will say third round just so we're not in the same round. And John Jones could potentially, I will say this, 
John Jones could potentially give away the first round um, and move a lot and kind of let Santos be the aggressor. I don't think John Jones will get like beat up. I might be wrong, but, uh, but I think, yeah, I think he's going to move around a lot. And by giving away the first round, I, I could see John Jones losing the first round 10 to nine. It's unlikely, but I, I could see that as a strategy. We know Winkle John loves strategy and I could see him just literally dancing, moving all, you know, moving all over the place. He's so athletic. And I could see him doing that to frustrate Santos. And the more frustrated Santos get, if he starts throwing those wild hooks, that's my least favorite punch anybody can throw, particularly when you don't do a setup. If you can throw a big hook and disguise it, it might land. But, man, as a, as a former MMA coach, that drives me nuts when guys think that they can just swing these um, sort of Kimbo Slice-esque um, hooks. It, it, that's such a dangerous throw because in boxing, you might get away with it if they don't. If they don't jab you to death or cross you, um, it's not a huge deal other than that. But in MMA, it's a huge deal because as soon as you throw yourself off balance, you give up your back, your neck, and a takedown. So, so I'd say hooks are the dumbest thing to throw wild. You can use them, but if you throw them wild in MMA, you're going to get in trouble because there's so many ways for somebody to take advantage. But there we go. I guess we agree on our lock, roughly speaking. I think it is going to be a great card. This is their big international fight week, too big. Um, title fights. I do think it's safe to say that John Jones has cleared out, and DC, and DC, both of them have cleared out the 205 division. I, I don't think this is a guy that would typically be fighting for the 205. We know Alexander Gustafson just lost, surprisingly, and is likely retired. Um, it's hard. It's hard to see John Jones having legitimate opponents until he goes to heavyweight. He used to talk about it all the time. He's no longer talking about going to heavyweight. I personally would love to see. John Jones in D.C. at heavyweight. I would have never thought I'd say that because it's almost like you're giving John Jones more of an advantage. But when D.C. knocked out my buddy, my boy, guy I really like to watch as a person, Stipe Miocic, it does show that, that he has really good heavyweight power. You've seen that in the Grand Prix when he was in strike force, And so I do think that going at 205 again does not make sense. Um, D.C.'s old. His body doesn't do the cut right. We all remember the 206.2 pound champ versus Rumble Johnson. So, so I think that's the fight to make. I don't know if it'll happen. John Jones has said no. And why would he want to fight DC? DC was doing a really great fight in his second fight when he got head kicked, knocked out. That was turned to a no contest. And and DC was actually doing exactly what he needed to do to beat John Jones. So I would like to see that fight at heavyweight. I think it could work. I think DC has already said he would take that fight at heavyweight. Uh, and DC's the champ champ. So oh, I guess he's not now. Yeah, he's not now. So it would be interesting to see. Um, I, as always, buddy, I look forward to our post fight because no matter what happens, even if even if you're all right and I'm all wrong, whatever, it's always a surprise. MMA is such a surprising sport because it is so it is so many different ways to win and lose. Obviously, we know that boxing can be a surprise. Anthony Joshua just lost. And what's a surprise, but it's never a real surprise because there's only two weapons. MMA can be a complete surprise because so many weapons. So with that, I will say those are my predictions, my analysis, and I look forward to to seeing uh, where we where we fall um, on our on our prediction record, buddy. All right, as Luke said, UFC 239 has all the makings of being an exciting card. That is going to be happening this Saturday. You can catch it on – actually, no, you can catch the uh, the prelims 
on um, on ESPN, the, uh, the early prelims on UFC Fight Pass. Our next few episodes coming up, we've, uh, we've got a mix of things for you. You're definitely going to want to listen in. Um, we've got some regional fighters that we're talking to. We have some fighters that we're talking to who are on Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. One of the fighters is a main event fighter. So some interesting things you're going to hear. Definitely stay tuned for upcoming episodes as well. So for myself and Luke Payson, my podcast partner, that's it for Pitt. And thanks for listening to MMA FanCast. <laughs>